Hey folks, welcome back to the DC Freecast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Vince and Zach. We are here to talk about the comics that come out on the 19th of April, 2022. Um, starting with Batman Superman World's Finest number two, written by Mark Wade, illustrated by Dan Mora. Vincey, why don't you start us off with this? What did you think of this issue? Oh boy, I love this book. <laughs> um, it's 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 got all the the best ingredients in comics, and um, it's really unlike anything else DC's publishing right now. I think, especially because um, it's not within the current continuity and. While, while the stuff that's most tied to the central continuity at DC is the stuff that we are most interested in, I think, a, as a podcast, something this good that exists outside that I think is good for, it's good for DC Comics as well, you know. Um, I think, I think you can have it both ways, and I think you, I think you do alienate readers sometimes when you do stuff that's too tied into continuity even if that's the stuff i prefer like i i think i can't imagine somebody who picks up this book and doesn't find something to like in it uh, it's so wacky we've got the kryptonite surgery that that niles calder and robot man are performing on superman and, um we've got a very fun juxtaposition of of dick grayson's robin with the uh, supergirl um they they appear to have the, had their own uh version of the calvin and Hobbes spaghetti incident in their <laughs> in their past yes um and that that's treated with good humor and it's a surprise it's a surprise little twist like no one's gonna guess that that's where wade was going with these characters but it's it's a lot of fun um and it looks great like I think I've called Dan Mora's work like the my platonic ideal of what DC Comics should look like in in 2022. Like Mora can just design everything, as far as I'm concerned, and and let everybody else run with it. That the Supergirl costume is as good as it's looked in years. I think. I'll hear that yeah. under Mora, and then the Tamra Bonvillain colors just man uh, reliably good as always but in particular like there's the scene where um supergirl and, and robin are like flying through the sky or flying through time really you know yes we'll talk about that in a minute yeah. is what they end up doing um and the colors are just like that blue sky with all the with the colors of their costumes popping in the foreground like that page just looks gorgeous and 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 for that page, it's largely due to the, the coloring, I think. Um, at least it stood out to me. So I fucking love this. <laughs> like everything about it. Um, at the risk of at the risk of trinitying myself, this could be the best book DC's putting out <laughs> right now. I I mean, it wouldn't be us if we didn't, you know, succumb to hyperbole now and then. And uh you know, I, I don't know if I disagree with that assessment necessarily. I think it may be a little bit too early to see, but I only say that because I've been burned too many times before. <laughs> you know, um, Zach, what do you think it, of this? It may be the best book that they're publishing, but it's not the best book they could be publishing. And you know why that is. <laughs> no kingdom. No kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> we got this this Nizah pretender when we really want Magog. It would and... be so funny. It would be so funny if at the end of the arc, it's revealed. Oh, Nazar was Magog all the time. Yeah, and then and then we just insert my soy sound. Uh, <laughs> we just need to put that on like a on like a, a soundboard. We just need yeah. a soundboard of that for that. Working yeah, on it. Working yeah, on yeah. It. Um, no, this is really fun it, for all the reasons that that Vince said. Um, you know, I'm a mark for Doom Patrol stuff. Um, like Bruce is even fun in this, which. I never say um, it's refreshingly like silver age, but it yes. doesn't in, in terms of it's like it, the, the dialogue and the writing is not silver age and it doesn't, it doesn't feel silver age. And it's like, um, 
in its like continuity per se, but like the the concepts and the premises are like very Silver Age, like the kryptonite poisoning and like Supergirl and and Dick flying through the time barrier yeah. with with all almost no explanation of how that's achieved or how they even know about it. Um, yeah, well, and you happens. know what. The, my only regret about that part is that they didn't do the thing that they did all the time back in the silver and bronze age when, when Superman would fly through time and they would have like the years. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. You know what I'm saying? They would have like, you know, 2022 yeah. and then you would see the different decades, like yes. just yes. In big block letters. Yeah. yeah. Or numbers. Yeah. Um, I like the idea of this um, older superhero team. I think, I think that, is a it's a concept that doesn't it's not always good and interesting as we're you know seeing in things like the like the Avengers 1000 1 million BC or whatever it is <laughs> that that Jason Aaron's doing which uh this has like some vibes of that a little bit but it it's much much cooler i think and you know i'm 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 really wondering what the end game is with this book. Like, what Wade is trying to do. Like, if this is just going to be a fun standalone thing, and if it is, how long it's going to go, and like, how big is it going to get? Or, or if he has like longer plans for for this in terms of like the greater DCU. But like, ultimately, it, none of that matters really, um, because it's just so good on its own. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's I, really well said. Um, I hope they have plans for him in the greater DCU because I just think Mark Wade hanging around the DCU feels right. But um, yeah, sorry, Brian. I just wanted to say that. No, no, I I, I welcome the interruption. Uh, so I, what I would say is there's, there's a couple of things that you guys touched on that I want to go a little bit deeper into, but I want to sort of start where Zach ended there with talking about Wade's bigger picture. I don't know if Mark Wade would have come back to DC if he wasn't given assurances that he would be able to do something big at DC. Because I think in terms of aside from writing the monthly Superman book, which everyone knows is like Mark Wade's dream. And apparently I don't know if it was, I think it was Paul Levitz had said that he would never do that as long as Levitz was in charge of DC. <laughs> Um, which like that interaction has aged everyone in that conversation very differently. <laughs> like Levitz uh, has, has not had the most sterling reputation in recent times and uh, comments like that just further sully his reputation. And Mark Wade has established himself as one of the premier writers of his generation, not just in terms of the past the work he's done in the past, but he's found a way to, stay relevant and still do really good work as he's gotten older. So, you know, I think that eventually he is going to take over a Superman title. I think that once the action comics war world stuff is over, Mark Wade is going to be doing a Superman book. He's going to be doing the Superman book. Rather, he's going to be the Superman guy at DC. Um, Let's go. I am. I am here for it. I, I hope that's not at the expense of Philip Kennedy Johnson, who I think is doing really interesting stuff with Superman. And actually, I was thinking this week we should probably catch up on action at some point in the near future and talk about that book. Um, give give uh, it, it can be at the expense of him if he does something if he gets like Green Lantern or something. That'd right? Yeah, fine. yeah, exactly. I mean, just I hope I just hope that Johnson continues to do something at DC. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think that Mark Wade is is going to be something doing something bigger. I I also wonder if this is seeding, if basically they said to him, listen. You can start Superman in September of 22, but why don't you come out in January and do something else? And he's basically using this time to set up his big Superman story in another book using the past. I think that's really clever and cool. I'm making this up. I have no insight. In how, so this is not me, you know, knowing anything. I just I just think that would be a cool thing for him to do. Now, yeah. now you've got me like dreaming about like wade being like the head of the superman books and again like you know i don't want to step on the things that other creators are doing because like i do like philip kennedy johnson's action i like tom taylor's super superman but then i have this idea of like mark wade as like the head the showrunner of the superman books and like 
have him like running um you have him you know like running superman running action running batman superman and maybe not writing all of them but at least like running it right and and you know heaven heaven forbid bring back the triangles like i'll bring <laughs> it back baby like uh let's just let's go <laughs> yeah. yeah uh but but back to this book i love the like Vince, you went to something before that I was going to take slight umbrage with, and I, I, I'm not going to, but I, I do want to point out, I think there's a difference between a book not being in continuity and being set in the past of this continuity. Oh, God damn it. The, the, there's a reason I'm saying that, though. I think that this allows Wade to do more interesting stuff for me than if he was telling an out-of-continuity story. It's it's <clears throat> that's really just academic because um, there there's nothing to link this to the current continuity other than they're them telling you it just took place a long time ago. You know right, what I'm saying right now. That's true. But I think this is going to touch other things. Oh, yeah. And maybe. And then, you know, but. I'm not I'm not arguing with you. I'm just saying like that's to me there's a distinction there um that is relatively important to what I think the bigger picture of this book's going to be. Because I think that this book is very purposely telling this story set in this time with these characters, but I think there is going to be some sort of modern day component to it. Um and so I think that that's you know, I, I think that's important because to me, what's so interesting about the way that Wade is telling the story is that Wade is doing so much cleanup for other people within this. It's sort of shocking. Like, for instance, how do you square the fact that in different books within quote unquote continuity, we have Billy Batson being in Philadelphia and in Fawcett City? Well, now we just find that the Fawcett City is a suburb of Chicago, of uh, Philadelphia. Well, I think we already knew that. It has never been stated, I don't believe, in, in a story before. I think we've seen that in in ancillary stuff. I, I, don't, I don't know if that's ever been made clear in a comic before. Okay. Um, I could be wrong with that. I'm, I'm pretty sure of that, though. But again, I could be totally wrong. Um, I feel like the way that he's bringing in Billy Batson before bringing in Captain Marvel slash Shazam is really clever. And I think that that, that does a nice thing. That allows for people to tell a... That allows for him for him to tell a Billy Batson story that is disconnected from the stuff that Johns has has done and maybe makes a path forward for some newest Shazam stories without just throwing away that stuff. I feel like this. I mean, when was the last time we saw the Doom Patrol? Not in Young Animal. Are we talking like forever evil? Um, uh, Doomsday Clock. I totally forgot there. You're right. Totally forgot there. And there was Nick Locke. Um, but like again, he's bringing. He just. He's he's doing a lot of work for DC, just bringing back these characters and setting things up. And but he does it so effortlessly. That's my favorite part about Mark Wade's writing. With Wade, you'll be reading something and you'll realize like, oh shit, he just did five different things really smoothly and really unobtrusively to set up all this other stuff. And I feel like this book is just such a beautiful setup for something whatever that something is uh i love the time travel thing wasn't even attempted to be explained just uh supergirl figured out how to fly back in time cool let's do it um i love the supergirl dick relationship i really like the bruce and clark relationship uh there's a great part where bruce smiles and someone on the Doom patrol says like and you thought we were creepy you know just a, a really great moment um my only note on this is that we have got over the past, I mean, really all through comics, but I would say specifically in the 21st century, we have got a lot. We've gotten a lot of books that feature either a villain or a hero or a team that is so important to everybody, but somehow we've never heard them talked about until right now. And this this villain seems feels a little bit like 
wouldn't this person have come up at some point? But you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's just that the, the most extreme example I can think of is now I can't remember the character's name. Who was the character that was like retroactively put on the Justice League in the 2000s, like from the 60s? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Um, fuck, what's the character's name? Should I be crazy now? God damn it. Regardless. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. But, but like but. the type of story where like, oh, of course, everyone knows this agent character or whatever. And this feels the, the sort of the setup of this villain feels a little familiar uh, from that stuff. But I will say that everything else that Wade has done has been handled so well, whether it's I thought the kryptonite poisoning stuff was really well done here. I thought the Felix Faust stuff was really well done here. Um, yeah, I'm loving this. And Dan Mora, chef's kiss after chef's kiss. Every page is great. And I'm glad you mentioned uh, the coloring by Tamara Bonvillain because I think that's that's similarly awesome. Uh, and just really, she really goes above and beyond the like the standard superhero color palette with just just tweaks it in little ways that elevates each page. I really really love her coloring. Um, but yeah, anything else to add to this book? Um. I just wanted to point out that Superman gives Felix Faust Havana syndrome. Yes. <laughs> at one point. Yep. Which is just, I, I was laughing pretty hard. I had to, I actually had to DM Walter Richardson with that because um, I just thought he would, I thought it would tickle his funny bone in the same way that it does, did mine. So It's yes. a good bit. It also, Billy bit. Batson loves ending up in hell. Yes, <laughs> he really loves being in hell lately. Yeah, that's his thing. All right. Shall we move on to the next book? Sure. All right. Next up is Catwoman Lonely City number 42. Um, what? I'm sorry. Catwoman number 42. I combine the two books we're talking about. Um before, before we go, if further, only there were 42 issues oh. of this <laughs> glorious black label title. We'll get, to, we'll get to that in a minute. But uh, this is written by T.D. Howard, illustrated by Nico Leone. Uh, before we get too deep into this, had either of you been keeping up with this or did you both catch up for this or did you both just jump into this blind? I, I just jumped in. I've, I've been reading it, kind of. <laughs> and <laughs> I've I been caught, skimming it. And I caught up for the show. So we are the three true outcomes here. Um, the three jokers. Yes, of course. Of course. Um, so, Zach, going in blind to this, what did you think of this issue? Um, well, you know, I so I, I not completely blind because I did read the first issue of this arc. So I just miss, missed the second and third chapters, which, as as is the case with a lot of comic arcs, I, I don't really feel like I missed much. Um I, I followed the story, uh, I think, completely. Um, but it was it was still a good story, and I enjoyed it. I really, really enjoy the art. Um, again, I think in that first issue, I one of us had kind of likened it to um, some of the like future state stuff in terms of like the the layouts and the color schemes, especially like in this issue, you have the, the like, uh, kind of like cyberpunk Yakuza members that specifically there's one that looks exactly like, um, the promotional material for that new game, Ghostwire Tokyo Vince, Do you know what I'm talking <laughs> yes, about? Yeah, absolutely. It looks exactly yeah. like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but it looks cool. I mean, I really like, I like the, uh, the, the style, um, that it gives off. And, and I just think this is like a fun Selena book. Um, she gets to do some cool stuff. She fucks over Black Mask, who I can't stand um, in any incarnation ever. You and um, Black Mask. That's so weird. I just like, I think he's just such a dumb character. And like, I don't ever care about him or feel like he is a like reasonable threat. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I liked this issue quite a lot. Um, but don't have a lot more to say about it. Okay. Uh, so I caught up for this and I'm sure that you are telling the truth to Zach about feeling like you got the entire 
story in this, but I feel like there was so much interesting story told in the two middle issues that I'm really glad that I caught up on it. I, I really enjoy this. I think that this very much feels, and we said this in the first, um, the first episode about this run, which is that the easy comparison for this is the Genevieve Valentine run, because that was very much a uh, organized crime Selena story. But this feels totally different than that. Like this is, even though the subject matter might be similar, this is not tonally like that at all. It's really very, very different and very, um, very fun. I think that the supporting cast that Teeny Howard has created in just a couple of issues is really, really interesting. And I hope these characters stick around. I think the way that the Gotham underworld is currently constructed is very interesting. I like that this wrapped up some stuff, but didn't totally wrap up the, uh, like the, the overarching, um, the God, like, the stuff about Gotham City and its underworld is still very much open and very much uh, there's still more stories to be told there. So I'm very glad that Howard will get the chance to tell those stories. Um, and the Nico Leonard, I think Zach's point about it looking similar to some future state stuff is true. Uh, I really like the way that the book is not just illustrated, but also um, colored. The coloring by uh, Veronica G uh, Gandini somebody I'm not super familiar with is really, really elevates the book specifically. There's a couple of scenes where there's a lot of darkness, a lot of shadow, a lot of black and the colors just pop off the page in those instances in a really satisfying way. And I just think this is a, this is one of the better Selena stories we've gotten recently. And we've had a lot of pretty good ones. Um, maybe not as good as what we're going to talk about a little bit after this, but that's high praise indeed. I, I'm thoroughly enjoying this run. Uh, Vince, what did you think? Yeah, I think it's definitely good, and it definitely includes uh, some of the stuff that I loved about the Genevieve Valentine run without <clears throat> feeling like it or, tr or trying to do a copy of it. If anything, it's it's it kind of feels like it's more melding that run with the traditional Selena Catwoman story. Um that is done more often, you know, and I think, I think it works really well. I think she flips between those two worlds pretty uh, nimbly. Um, I guess I think I'm just, I'm a little bit cooler on it uh, than you guys are just because um, aside from the way it looks, um, there's like not really any, new ground being broken here or, or any major surprises or anything. It's just telling a solid story. And I, I, I think another thing is I, I don't care for that, like anime character that, um, that keeps showing up that like Valmont guy, I think is his name. Um, the, the anime Robin hood dude. Um, I just, I still don't get what they're going for with that. And I, that stuff leaves me cold. Um, it, I I want to interject really quick. How much he kind of reminds me of Ghostmaker. I thought yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Even like personality wise, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Visually and personality wise, yeah, yeah. Um. Also, I'm I'm a big fan of of Teeny Howard, as we all know. Um. But there's. There's a, a just a scene or two in this issue where <laughs> like at, at one point, Selena is like taunting Black Mask, I think. And she, she says, you've had a woman making you weak all along. And then at the bottom of the page, she said, it was me. <laughs> and I'm thinking like, yeah, we got that. <laughs> we all we all got what you were going for there. You know, it's like it's like the writing just like went one step too far uh, into obvious territory, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and I felt that like one or one, one or two other times maybe, um, but it's fine. Like that, you know, that's Teeny Howard is certainly a, a, a way better writer than, you know, I think like 
75% of writers in comics, I think. Um, but I just, I just thought that was funny. I, re- I read that and I was like, oh, okay, we, 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 we got it. <laughs> we knew what you meant, Selena. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it's definitely good. And also uh, Capullo's Restaurante. Yes. <laughs> Mamma Mia. Well, what would, what would be the signature dish at Capullo's Restaurante? Oh, um, hmm. I'm trying to think of like a hair metal band pun. Yes, exactly. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's this is this would work better if it was written, but the rat at (laughs) Tui, like two T's, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) It's good. I'm trying to think of if there's another one that I would. Uh, that... He probably thinks rat sucks and you just insulted him. <laughs> really? well, you said like 80s metal. I, I think know. He's... I know. No, I know. He's more of like a. He's more of like a like a what Metallica Megadeth. I, I picture him really into Zach Wilde's Black Label Society. <laughs> yes. OK. Yep. I have no evidence of that, but I feel like that's probably true. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, that's uh I feel like we lost Zach on these metal references. Yeah, I'm I'm here. None of them I'm physically uh, here. Yeah. None of them appear on the Digimon soundtrack. <laughs> <No>. Yeah. <laughs> uh, shout out to last week's stinger. All right, well, uh, let's take a break and when we return, we will talk about the last two books of the week, so stay tuned. Hello, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at MultiversityComics.com. Each week, we take some time to check out books and shelves on Wednesday that are worth your attention. And each month, we dissect the previous catalog. We also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed, like Dan Clow's Ghost World and Jack Kirby and Mike Royer's Commanding. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature Mike Mignola, Leila Del Duca, Sean Martinborough, Emma Beebe, and Greg Rucka. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow and iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. And we are back to talk about The Gabagool, Catwoman, Lonely City, number three, written, illustrated by Cliff Chang. Vince, I'm going to let you start this one off. You, haven't, you, you are as big a Cliff Chang fan as anyone I know, so lay it on me, buddy. How was this issue? I mean, what more can I say that I haven't said already? This, this, uh, this totally rules. Um, for whatever reason, I had it in my mind that this was just a three issue series as, as so many black label books are, mm-hmm. you know? So when I got to the end and it, it was like, it was seeming like the story was not going to wrap up. <laughs> I was like, what's going on? <laughs> and then, and then you get that, the, you know, there's another and I'm sure we already knew that. But I just I, like I said, I had it in my mind that this was just another. Oh, yeah. Black label books. They're they're generally three issues. Um, so I'm thrilled that we're getting more of this. But I mean, what, what can I say about this book? Literally that I haven't said already. First of all, the, the most impressive thing about Cliff Chang, I think, is that. I don't think I've ever seen Cliff Chang do less than what you expect of Cliff Chang's art, you know? Sure. I I don't think I've ever seen his work be off model, uh, rushed anything, you know, like there's, there's no trace of it. Um, Even the best artists in comics, you can say, even like, to mention Greg Capullo again, not to slander him at all, but like there have been times where we've pointed out like, ah, oh, this maybe isn't the peak peak Capullo. Right. Um, I don't think I've ever seen less than peak Chang. Like as far back as I can remember anyway. And just everything about this issue from the, from the, the, the coloring to the like mood lighting at times there's part where uh 
Selena and uh, uh, the Riddler do the do the the Batusi. Yeah. That's yes. that's right. That's our thing. Yeah, I forgot about that. They do the Batusi, and just the the mood of that scene is so interesting. Um, just the staging and the framing of there's that scene where uh, Selena breaks into the artifact room and uh, she and, and poison Ivy are getting that um, tchotchke or whatever it was. <laughs> I can't remember what it was, but, but that, that scene is staged so expertly. Um, just man, I, I I'm looking at it right now and, and marveling over how it looks. And then just, again, all the story choices that are made. Again, it's never too wordy. That's a criticism that we have sometimes for for artist-driven uh, comics at DC. Um, the only time it gets wordy is again when he's he's doing like the Frank Miller homage uh, media scenes where you've got like the talking heads, uh, newsreel type stuff, and again, totally fitting and not obtrusive in any way you you totally understand what he's going for there and it's only it's only like two or three pages in the whole thing too yeah yeah yeah. it's like it's like a it's like a detour more than anything else you know Mm -hmm. um yeah i don't know what more i can say to 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 smooch on this comic you know (laughs) it's it's so good oh the scene between also the scene between uh, Bruce and Selena um, that takes place like in the past, like 10, yes. 10 years earlier in this story, that is, it may not be as stylish as like the stuff that Tom King was doing. If, if Tom King sort of stylish is your bag baby, but I think it's better than like when Tom King. Oh, absolutely. Does Bruce and Selena, you know, it gets a, it gets across the same feeling without being annoying at times. Um, yeah, man, it's good. The thing I wanted to, to, to speak about with this book that I thought you were going to beat me to, but you didn't was uh, R.I.P. Killer Croc. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, he was too beautiful to live. <laughs> Seriously, that nothing gold can stay. Right. I mean, that's uh First of all, the characterization of Killer Croc in this was just so good. And Chang really, really, I feel like Chang did for Killer Croc what a number of writers and artists have done for Clayface, which is to give him some more humanity and to make him a character that isn't so one dimensional. Because sometimes pretty much every bat villain in the wrong hands can become very one dimensional. Um but Killer Croc was just so well done here. And the scene with his death is is so heartbreaking and so well done. And you really see the love that Selena has for him, but expressed in this like horribly sad way. Just 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 a just a brilliant interlude in the issue, just a brilliant scene that that is that does not. If I were to explain the scene to myself from three years ago before this book was announced or anything, I would have thought that's a dumb scene in a comic. That that sounds like some some bullshit. But Chang nails it. Um, yeah, Zach, what do you think of this? Um, I also liked it. This may be the best book that DC is publishing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Black label. I, I always forget the black label stuff, but the bla- I mean, black label is just—it's just where it's at right now. <laughs> black label is really good. Um, insane. I I really don't have a lot more to say than than Vince has already said. But the thing that I continue to like about this a lot, again, as like a really dumb continuity head, I like how fun this works as a true elseworld where like brian you had specifically mentioned the flashback to selena and and bruce that was vince but sure okay vince said it yeah yeah (laughs) 
Uh, that's okay. You, you, we all frequently misattribute things that to, is true, to yes. each other. Um, yes. um, like you know, in that Tim is the Tim is the current Robin. Um, so like in this continuity, it seems like we never make it to Damien, uh, which is like I, I feel like nowadays when DC does Elseworlds or like alternate universes, and we've kind of talked about this too, they they play it like very safe and like just keeping it as similar to like current continuity as they can and like don't shake things up too much. Um and and this is like a very unique thing and we you know we've seen bits and pieces of this like spread throughout the series like we find out that at some point alfred had cancer but then he survived but then he still just like died in his sleep and then there have been other like uh, just other like fun little nods that that like batman you know batman imposter did similar things with like their history of of batman and i just find those little like continuity wrinkles and nuances very fun and interesting and and they they aren't um they aren't the best part of the story but they give the story kind of a freshness and uniqueness that makes the ongoing things even more interesting to me Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah absolutely um the art is still very good I like the new scenes, which I generally hate that kind of thing um, in comics. Uh, I think it's like so overdone, but uh, it's good in this. So it's the, yeah, this, I, I don't know. What can I say? This is just a really, really good book. It is. It is. Um, <clears throat> my question for you is after, after doing this, is Cliff Chang only going to do these sorts of things again? Like, is this his final evolution like into a one man shop for these these type of stories? I don't know if I could see him going back to like just doing monthly floppies after this. I don't really I don't think I would want him to. I would love for him to do like. Like, what if we had the Chang verse, you know, <laughs> like I would love yeah. that. Sure. Uh, I, I yeah. don't know. I, I want I want him to continue to flex his his creative muscles and and do do like fun outside the box things. I don't I don't know that I ever necessarily need to. I mean, I would love to see him on any DCU book, but I I want him to just keep doing things like this. Agreed. I want whatever he wants. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's the best. He is. He is. And uh, I. it's not until August that we're getting the fourth installment of this, which feels like a very, very long time um, because it is. But I don't care. Take as much time as you want, Cliff. But that's I, I just I love him being unshackled from the needs of monthly deadlines so that we can get more stuff like this. Yes. All right. Well, let's finish out this week's books by talking about Trial of the Amazons Wonder Girl number two, written by Joelle Jones, illustrated by Joelle Jones and Adriana Mello. Uh, Zach, why don't you start us off with this one? I didn't like this. I thought it kind of stunk. Is that reductive? Maybe. Is it true? Maybe. The art was good. I don't have many good things to say about this, so I don't really want to talk about it that much. I the, okay. The one the thing I will say that I liked about this is the the like triptych storytelling with like the panels running across the top middle and bottom uh-huh i liked that 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 was cool um the story not 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 a fan didn't like it vince you disagree with any of that um i didn't hate it like i don't i don't i don't it was a little 
dry in the deliberation of uh, of Cassie going through how she determined who killed Hippolyta. Um, but I will say at least like we remember that we did not like the first issue at all because it didn't even really tell a story. Right. At least this tells a story. Yes. You know, I yes. know that's a low bar to clear, <laughs> but but what I'm saying is we we just saw a version of this that does didn't work at all, you know. Right. Um whereas I think at least this tells a story. Um I the triptych panel storytelling idea does work pretty well. I think what's going on in the top and bottom runs of panels is more interesting than what's going on in the middle of the story. And that might be a little bit of a problem, but I don't hate the conclusion that they came to. And uh, I, I just, I just think for the most part, this crossover has been so ordinary, but I don't think there's anything to hate about this issue or, or dislike. Um, I'm surprised that 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 strong of a reaction, but I don't, I also don't, I also don't disagree that it's not great. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, I'm probably higher on this than maybe both of you, but Vince and I are pretty similar in our tastes for this. I liked two things about this very much. I liked the, I like the reveal of Artemis as the killer and Artemis saying, I'm not going to tell you why I killed her. I know that doesn't satisfy the reader, but I think that's a very Artemis thing to do. Like I thought that was a very good character moment of just having Artemis be unwilling to play the game here and just not going to tell you why she killed her. That's her business. <clears throat> I like I liked that as a storytelling um, piece. Mm-hmm. See, um, I, th- I think it is frustrating and maybe maybe this is dumb of me to like be frustrated by this but we had that whole story beat where like Artemis got so offended at Cassie accusing her earlier in the story and and then it turns out she actually is the killer I mean <laughs> that's cl- that's classic mystery that's yeah, classic Hercule like, Perot storytelling they who yeah. denied it supplied it we all know how this works it's <laughs> just like <laughs> I don't know. I just I I don't know. I it just it's not I find it very I find the reveal un, very underwhelming. I actually like I have thought the entire time and I think this is like an underlying problem with the story for me is like I could not care who killed Hippolyta. I, like I from the beginning, I I knew that there would not be, or I believed that there would not be a satisfying explanation, and 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 it turns out I it, it was right in that at least as far as I'm concerned. Um, but I I do I do find I I find it like a little frustrating or at least like silly that the person that it turned out to be was like the one that they. The, the creative team went the hardest in trying to deny early on because then it's like, I can't tell if it is insulting or just uninteresting. I, I don't know. I just thought it was just kind of silly. It's definitely the, le- the least interesting answer because historically Artemis could be argued to be the most antagonistic of any of these characters. Right. right yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I will say that, that, that is kind of how I felt, even though I agree with Brian that her response to the, this realization is, I think that is very fitting. And I think it does, it does potentially open up uh, an interesting wrinkle down the road when maybe we finally do figure out why she did it. Right. Like, I don't mind, especially in a crossover, I don't mind dragging that bit out a little bit, you know, but you're right, Zach, that it is the, out of all the options, it is the least intriguing one because it's the most, 
potentially antagonistic one. Now, for all we know, they came up with a really great reason for why Artemis would have done that. In fact, I kind of like how Cassie kind of hints at that, that she says something about it might be, this might be seen as a mercy on your part, you know? Right. We don't, we don't know. And then she doesn't explain, but maybe we do find out and maybe there, maybe there is a really great reason that, that we didn't consider or whatever. I'm hopeful. I think, yeah, I, I definitely don't think this is bad. I think the problem is I would have had a much better time with this if Cassie's um detective story would have played out across across these two issues rather than the yes. first issue being a baffling series Nothing. of pinups yeah. yeah and then to get it all dumped uh into this issue as a courtroom scene not the most dynamic thing in the world now the the courtroom scene is a classic tried and true trope but it doesn't work the best in a comic, especially when you have such, I think, dynamic artists working on it. Yes. There, there was a way to do this, I think, spread across these two issues that would have been would have been more satisfying. I, I don't really have any problems with the story except for the way that it was told. If that does that make any sense? Like yes. Well, what I was gonna say, the other part of this that I liked a lot was I feel like one of the things that DC is bad at is they get excited about a new character. Oftentimes it's a character that somewhat fills a role that was already being filled by a different character. And then they push out that person in that role and you don't really get a sense of, you don't get a sense of what that, like what that role is. I say that, say this, I feel like Cassie has done nothing except for appear in some Bendis comics and sort of be uneventful in those comics since Yara Floor came on the scene, and even before Yara Floor came on the scene. And so this gave Cassie something to do, even in like a very small sense of just for a few issues, it lets her be a detective. And I feel like there was maybe a little bit missed opportunity of her talking about how she was, she worked with Tim Drake who Batman says is a better detective than he is. Like, and she said, I could, she, a one line that I picked up a lot working with Tim would have made a, would have been a nice little connective thing here, but let's just pretend it said that. And it gave her like a skill that we don't see other people in this world have. Right. I just liked them giving something to cast that was different. Mm -hmm. Um, I appreciated that, but having it all play out in this, like, um, Ellery Queen mystery version of a story just isn't that interesting to me. It's it makes for a bad issue. And this crossover has just been so unbelievably frustrating up and down and just not. I, I don't even know what to say about it. It's just anything I could say sounds reductive. And I don't mean to I don't mean to to, to pigeonhole this into into one thing I think it's failed on a number of <laughs> a number of uh, instances not just in one but I really don't know where it all went wrong here but it certainly all went wrong here someplace there's only one issue of this left guys and I feel like I still I feel like the story is both over and hasn't even started yet yeah you remember how like last issue there was that that random character that i don't know that we've ever seen before maybe he was in like a previous issue that i of a book that i didn't read who caused that like cave-in to happen and then we assume that that is like the main villain of the of the story but again we we, we don't see him so maybe he's going to show up next issue i don't know and mm -hmm. we'll get some resolution on that uh Maybe it's a, it's a weird it's a weird story, I think. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's funny. I. I think I still am unequivocally enjoying even even though it's kind of all over the place and not necessarily um, that well structured at all. I think I still enjoy the crossover aspect of this than I did any of these books individually. And I'm still, I'm still glad they did this. Um, I, I think, it, I think it's been better than the alternative. 
was. Um, this is the template they should use for Wade's Superman. <laughs> they should just put little little triangles on it. I mean, I I don't think you're wrong about this being better than the alternative, but that's but the alternative was just bad. Also, like yeah, the I mean, the alternative was a bunch of individual series that we weren't enjoying that much, and this at least like attempts to move the needle on something continuity wise, and I can appreciate it on that level. Right. Sure. Sure. It's just a bummer because with uh, to me and this is so easy for me to say from the outside but like to me with just a little bit more planning this could have been something really fun Mm -hmm. and it just feels like it fell flat oh well yeah oh well all right boys uh i'm giving vince 30 i got it shut up now we we can't do that every time either. We need to find some other alternative. That's not just me being prepared. No, the alternative is uh, to be prepared. <laughs> I know, I know. I've got it. Okay. All right. Uh, action ten forty two. Aquaman, Green Arrow, Deep Target number seven. Aquaman number three. Batman Beyond the White Knight number two. Dark Knights of Steel number six. Deathstroke Inc. number eight. Detective Comics ten fifty nine. Uh, Harley Quinn, number 14, Justice League, 75. That's the big one. I I, I hear they die in that. Um, Robin, number 13, The Rogues, number two, Teen Titans Academy, 14, The Joker, 14, The Swamp Thing, 12, and Trial of the Amazons, number two. All right. Well, before we get to that, if you need to get in touch with any of us, two-thirds of us are on Twitter. I'm Brian Isenap. And I am at Wilker Fox. If you need Vince, he's celebrating his birthday. No, that, uh, don't do that. Oh, you just doxed him. Yeah, you want my social security number? No, too? no, 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 no. What I will say is we recorded this on his birthday. I'm not saying we recorded it. Yeah. And, and weirdly enough, we recorded this all the way back in January. Yes. Exactly. Was that convincing? Yes, very. <laughs> all right, folks. We'll be back to kill the Justice League next week. Bye. No joke. I, I, of course, I, I wake up, you know, very early every morning because Theo wakes us up. And so I woke up at like 6 a.m. on Sunday morning. And the first thing I did was grab my phone and Google Kingdom Hearts just to see what, <laughs> just to see what got announced. Wait, what's, how's that different from any other yeah, morning you wake up? Isn't that well, every morning for you? No, no, no. 